Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Paul Hudrick, joined, as always, by Seamus Clancy. Seamus, you and I were both in the building last night at Wells Fargo Center for the return to the court for Ben Simmons, because he did return before. Now he returned to the court. We're going to get into that. We want to definitely talk some Eagles, little Phillies, little Flyers. But certainly we have to talk about the Sixers. Um, Well, the Sixers won the game, right? Like that. That's feels like almost the biggest deal, actually, after all is said and done. But clearly leading into it, Ben Simmons actually playing a game for the Nets against the Sixers in Philadelphia. You know, um, I guess I'll just let you go first with like describing atmosphere and stuff like that. But I will say the warm ups were quite disappointing as far as like there really wasn't too much build up there. But I thought once the game got going, um, there was some juice. So what, what did you see? About 10 minutes from tip-up, before tip-off, it looked like a third of this the arena was full, at least in the lower yeah. bowl. And the conclusion I came to was that this sort of split in Simmons' return, all the like energy was there back earlier last season when he came back, even though he wasn't playing. The fan atmosphere was there for that. Whereas, because so much time has passed... I think it's less heightened now. And because of that, because it's, you know, a random Tuesday night, things like that, it didn't really seem like there was as much juice as I anticipated. And in Simmons post-game press conference, I was there. He said as much. I thought it was going to be louder out there. And I agree. And at a certain point, they're doing the F. Ben Simmons chants, booing him, uh, you know, after – or cheering, I guess, after he makes free throws, cheering when he gets fouled. That's the first time ever a call went against a Philadelphia team's way and the fans were cheering, right? So I would say a little under my expectations for the crowd, a little disappointed, but they did. They were ringing out the F Ben Simmons chants really loud late in the fourth quarter when the game was over. So much so it prompted the Wells Fargo Center staff to put a code of contact up on the big screen. So good night for the Sixers. Classic Ben stat line. What do you have? 11, 11 and seven or something. Close to a triple double. Yeah. Like, like, Something, yeah, 12, 11, 7 or something like that. But I mean, you know, yeah, it's it was it was such a Ben Simmons game. Actually, it was like it was almost frightening how on brand it was. Yeah. See, to me, I, I thought, like I said, the warm up was so uneventful. I, I was anticipating some things. I remember the last game, obviously, like you, you mentioned, even though he just warmed up, it was chaos. Maybe there was a part of it, too, where it was like because that's all they knew he was doing last game. So everyone showed up in order to be there for it. Maybe uh, 11, 11 and seven, by the way, for Ben. So I think you might've said that the first time you were right. Um, that was a guess too. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. And it's, you know, it's Ben. Um, so yeah, I, I was a little bit like, Oh wow, this is maybe this isn't going to be quite as crazy as I thought. There were some, there were some pretty good heckles in there that I heard a couple, a couple of people threw some, threw some pretty good ones in there. A couple not so good ones. You know how that goes. Um, there was a heightened police presence, apparently. It was a normal game, it felt like. There yeah. was nothing well, no, too out of the ordinary. I get doing it. I get yeah. protecting the players. Sure. But the way people were reacting, like, oh, it's classic Philly. Like, And I don't want to beat that horse too much because yeah. it's been dead for my watch uh, 50, 60 years or however long it's been. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I But I thought, I, well, for me, I thought once the game started, like, so the intros, um. I respected the don't even go for the sucks. Just go straight into a boo and don't stop. Yeah. And I kept it going for Kyrie Irving, which I respected. Um, sucks is a great chant. It is. It's so kinda, simple, but so good. It is. Uh, but I enjoy that they like that was like a, a special like 
this is like sucks is just for your regular garden variety opponent. Yeah. You you're not getting that. You're getting a you're just getting booed mercilessly through your introduction. I thought that was good. I thought the boos when he touched the ball were again, I, I thought it was pretty damn loud. And I what not only Shavis did they cheer when he got fouled, people stood up like the arena was like everyone was on their feet. Yeah. When he got fouled. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I thought once the game started, there was an appropriate amount of energy there. The Sixers helped because they played well. So I think that helped give the crowd a little extra boost. They were feeling even better because not only was this Ben and they could boo him and they could feel all good about that, but this was also the team was playing well. So they yeah. felt even like more justified in George Niang doing what George Niang does. I saw someone say on Twitter. He's a motherfucker. Was, Dude, someone said... I, that they believe he is incapable of not talking shit every time he hits a shot. And I'm starting to believe that fully. And I am very much here for it. It's quite enjoyable. Um, Like you're going to trash talk KD like good for you, man. Like that's awesome. Like I, I love it personally. I think it's, it's fantastic. It adds a little bit of edge to the team, which I think everyone's talked about ad nauseum. That's something they've needed. And George certainly adds that he has that, that edge to him. Uh, But and then as the, uh, you're right, they were full throttle with the F Ben Simmons chance uh, as the game was over. The the Nets waving the white flag with three minutes left. We didn't even get to see a hack of Ben strategy because the Sixers whooped them so bad late in the game. It's a disappointment um, for the fans. Yeah, we didn't even get to see it. Although he did give them, he did, Ben kindly did give everyone free chicken nuggets, which that felt like such a serendipitous moment. Um, and Did you see that they wrecked him down. in the app? I did see that, that it literally says Ben... What an easy clickbait article for me to put that one together. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's uh, Aaron Dunn for us had some fun just kind of recapping all of the the fun things that occurred during the night. And it was and also to like I I'll start by saying this. I never had an issue with Ben Simmons when he was here. I covered him literally his entire career. Yeah. Um was he the most cuddly player in the world? No, not even close. Uh did he give me some snarky answers here and there to some what I thought were perfectly legitimate questions. Yes. But I never felt like he was any more rude or anything than anyone else. I didn't to towards me. I never felt anything was personal. So like, I, I, I don't know. It didn't, he didn't bother me with that said, man, dude, you can't do a Jordan short shoulder shrug when you make two fucking. I loved throws. it. I'm not gonna lie. I loved it. And then you miss a, you blow a layup, completely smoke it, get your own offensive rebound and score, and then shush the crowd. Like, buddy, what are we doing here? Um, he lives in a fairy tale land. Like he, he really does. I was he at really his does. presser, and I will say, kind of on the same lines of you talking about his responses to you for legitimate questions. I asked the first question. The presser said something along the lines of. Did you view tonight as a necessary hurdle to get over with all the fanfare and hype and discourse and chatter to get on with the rest of your career? And I thought he gave a pretty genuine answer. He seemed to be not a dick. I thought it was a legitimate question. I thought he might give me some snark. I didn't have a previous existing reporter relationship with him, but he seemed surprisingly candid. I think he definitely feels like that was a weight off his shoulders and didn't necessarily explicitly say that, but you could tell from his response that he said, hey, it's always going to be like this in Philadelphia, which I think is true, but I think it'll be the lesson over time. Yes. But I think it was what I asked was legitimate and it's true. And it seemed like he said that without, again, explicitly saying that. And even shoot around uh, from what I got, I wasn't there, but what I gathered, like he just seemed relaxed. Yeah. Which that's yeah. not him. I was normally, there for that. Yeah. Yeah. Normally he is a very guarded individual. That's just the way he is. And I like, I, and again, that's not to, some people are guarded. That's the way they are. Like, I, that's not a good or a bad thing. It is what it is. Um, But I thought he really let his guard down a little bit and kind of, you know, gave some genuinely good answers and seems relieved, perhaps, like you said, to be over this and maybe realizing, like, man, I don't have to deal with this every single day. Uh, <laughs> the Philadelphia media and the Philadelphia hoopla. Um, not to say he's not that the New York press isn't going to give him a hard time. Obviously they do here and there, but it's a little bit different. It's not um, the same. No, it's just not the same. New York's a legitimate not, market, but it's not the same. Well, and he's not on the Knicks, right? Like with respect to the Brooklyn. That's Nets, really true. That's very he's true not on the Knicks. Uh, because that's, if he was on the Knicks then that might be a different story, I've seen those folks in action and they are, whew. he's a Nick, right? 
at some point in his career. Hmm. Like in the Steve Francis McGrady mold of See, all those me, all those stars that went there. I think he's he's destined to be a Laker at some point. I feel like that's something that's going to happen at some point in his career. Um, yeah, that's just going to happen. He he's It'd be funny if he ended up on the Clippers and, instead. He couldn't go on the Lakers. Kind of the analogous East Coast West Coast split of Nets versus Knicks. Or, I mean, Kings would be the would be classic. That would be no. And it was a little bit different because I was more of a fan than I was a reporter then. But during the fanfare of, you know, what they're going to trade him last year, and there seemed to be some legit juice to a Tyrese Halberton-type mm. trade, him ending up in fucking Sacramento would have been the funniest ending possible for this saga. Just the least Sacramento person who's ever lived. <laughs> I could have seen him never playing a single second for that team. And, oh, man. And Halberton would have been nicer, too. But I don't but, think he necessarily fit the timeline. But I'll say this. If he would have shown up and played, that city is so starving just to win some basketball games. And we all know Ben in the regular season is a, is a fine, fine performer. That eight seed coming. Yeah. he And if that and if that would have happened, I think he would have been kind of not beloved in Sacramento, but I think people would have talked themselves into him a little bit in Sacramento. And, you know, would have obviously it's a it's a house of cars and it would have fallen um, eventually. But yeah, I, it's they haven't made the playoffs since 2005, I believe. Something like not, that. Not yeah. just not just went around. No, yeah, made the playoffs. Haven't made the playoffs. I don't even know yeah. when their last like winning record was. It's it's been a very long time. Um we were overdue for me to look on my phone. So here yeah. we go. <laughs> Dave Yeager actually was like their best coach. He had like their best record since they made the playoffs, I believe, when he was their head coach, but now a Sixers assistant, obviously. But yeah, it's I, I gotta say too, this Nets team. Last what? winning record was 2006. That was the last year they made the playoffs. Yeah, you're pretty good. Um, what a like gutless, lightless Nets team, right? Like they just there is no juice to that team at all. You look at the Sixers, and I think to your points earlier, certainly no Joel Embiid, no James Harden, no Tyrese Maxey takes a lot away from the matchup. I'm sure some people sold their tickets at the last minute. I'm sure some people just didn't show up because of that. Like wasn't super duper filled. Right. So I, I think there is some of that, too. But with that said, what was left of this team gave them one hell of a show. Um, I go up and down the line. Uh, Paul Reed was spectacular. Spent a lot of time playing against Ben Simmons and quite frankly, outplayed him during stretch. He needs to start tonight. He needs to start tonight. I would be on board with him starting tonight. I don't, yeah. I don't expect um, him to, but he should. Yeah, I mean, Mason Plumlee, that would not go well for Mason Plumlee, I don't think. Uh We'll see. I mean, Montrose Harold does have the revenge game factor against Charlotte, so maybe there's something there. I think I believe that's where he. I believe he's kind of from the North Carolina area too. So I mean, not that that should be a reason why Doc should start him, but you know what I mean. Um, I thought. Are, are you in on the joke that's been permeating the last handful of years that the Sixers play the Nets or the Pistons every other game? Are you aware <laughs> of this joke? I don't think if I am aware of this. Joke. No, but it it was kind of you know that guy like Kill a Cow on Twitter. Yeah. It was one of our kind of bits. Like they played the Hornets twenty three times a year. <laughs> it does feel that way. I have to text them about it now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're going to play the Hornets, a very shorthanded Hornets team. So that should be another opportunity for them to win some games with what they have. But I mean, go down the line. Paul Reed was phenomenal. De'Anthony Melton has been really, really, really good for them. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people are not thrilled with P.J. Tucker offensively, and I get that, but defensively, he's been stellar, and my point has just been you don't pay P.J. Tucker to win games in November. You're paying P.J. Tucker to win games, you know, in in of course May and, and June, but uh, uh, Tobias Harris was great in the second half. You know, you saw him go down with the injury, and you're thinking, Jesus, here we go again. He goes running back out of the locker room and dunks like two possessions later, has a fadeaway, and then just plays bully ball the rest of the second half. And looks great doing it. Shake Milton came alive late in, in this in, in the fourth quarter. Had a couple big buckets, like up and down. George Yang was great in the first half. Up and down the line, just so many good performances from guys. And it's just what a team win. And to me, you can tell me whether or not you agree with this. But what we all talked about the offseason was the Sixers needed depth. They needed toughness. It's so early in the season, and I'm not anointing anything or saying that this roster is perfect because it's not, and I still don't know what it is when it's all put together and when everyone's healthy. I still have my concerns and doubts about certain things fitting together. But as far as the toughness and the depth piece goes, I think last night's win, 
I think the Milwaukee win, uh, I think Minnesota, the way they came back in that game, all of those things to me, this is a team that I do think has an elevated level of toughness, has more depth now in a DeAnthony Melton that can come and play. You know, um, Daniel Haas has been okay, uh, not great. Um, you know, Paul Reed's getting the looks now that he should be getting. Shake Milton is coming alive a little bit. Great shake game last night. Great yeah, wonderful game. to see him looking like 2019-20 shake again a little bit. Uh, he's hitting threes again, which is actually like a revelation because he has not hit threes over the last couple of seasons. His shot has looked very good. He's picking people off the dribble and hitting mid-range shots, providing that kind of complementary and supplemental scoring, which I think could be big even when everyone's healthy. So would you, it's again, it's early. It's one game. They're one game above 500 right now, which all things considered actually doesn't seem bad. Do you see that that, that there is like an added element of toughness uh, and a little bit more depth to this team? I hate to admit it, but last night, I think it was a great coaching performance. You have to give him credit. Whoa. Hold on. I'm going to. Rewind it. Time. No. That's, is that's going to be the time. that's going to be the YouTube shared clip on Twitter? It probably is. I I don't want to admit it, but I think coach can't do everything, and he's not responsible for everything, regardless of win or loss. But having them that engaged, having them not sleepwalk through it, is either maybe one or two or both. Coaching, getting them ready for that game, while shorthanded, putting trust in a Paul Reed and some of these other guys. Also, maybe a lot of these people just fucking hate Ben Simmons and they were really amped to go against him too. And I don't think that's necessarily everyone or everyone's 100% that way, but I think it would be foolish not think that didn't play like the slightest, slightest role at minimum. Yeah, but perhaps... You, can, you, you can't say necessarily the way I can because I'm out of there every day. And yeah, stuff like that, I mean, so. but well, the, and the, the big guy who I would feel that way about would be Joel Embiid. He would be the one that I think it's, would have the most... We didn't even mention it. It sucks that he didn't play. I know it sucks. It It really does. Well, listen, they'll get another crack January 25th. Uh, That'll be another opportunity. And they're actually uh, to your, to our other points earlier, like this could be that January 25th matchup. If Joel Embiid is in fact playing and the Nets are at full strength, that matchup could have more juice than this one for sure. It's a national TV too. It's another national game. And it's in January. So like we'll be deeper into the season. It's two months from now. So, We'll have a clear indication of kind of where the Sixers are and who they might be as a team. Same with the Nets. Like, are they are they gonna are they trending in a good direction, bad direction? We're gonna kind of get a bigger, a better feel for that. So, uh, there should be a little bit more at stake. Should be a little bit more interesting. So that matchup, that rematch, should be good to watch. But I'll say this about Doc. The other ongoing joke, and it's maybe a joke with a hint of truth to it. You just got to give this man a depleted roster. You give this man a roster that's, well, that's what that's, he did with L.A., right? And then he did what he did with L.A. That's what he did with Orlando. Orlando right. 20 years ago. Yeah, you give him a roster that has no expectations and he's going to overachieve. You give him a roster of expectations and he might underachieve. Um, so, yeah, it's you do have to give credit to him. And I thought he pressed the right buttons. I, I You you had to give him credit for going away from Harold, realizing, yes. all right, Montrez doesn't have it tonight. Like he gave us a couple good minutes, some good energy early. But Paul Reed is clearly the better fit here for this matchup. We got to go to him. Um, the zone, I thought, didn't work last night. They're, they've actually been a really good zone team, the Sixers, this season. And even really last year, I thought they were pretty good in the zone. Give him credit for going to it. It didn't really work out and getting right out of it. Like, he made adjustments. And I think yeah. that's the biggest thing that maybe we don't always see from a Doc Rivers team is that we don't see those in-game adjustments. And I thought he made a bunch of them. Uh I give him credit too for, you know, Matisse Thibel went into the game. He actually hit a three, but again, he didn't think Matisse was moving right. So to have that kind of feel for his guys to say like, you know what? Matisse doesn't look like Matisse. I'm, I'm pulling him. I'm not letting him play another minute. Uh, to have that feel for your team, I, I think is good. I am worried about PJ Tucker playing a lot of minutes. I'm worried about even a guy like, you know, DeAnthony Melton's banged up right now, him playing a lot of minutes. Tobias Harris, who's banged up playing a lot of minutes. Granted, Tobias has been one of the most durable guys, not only on the Sixers, but I would say in the league. He's just a very, that's just him, him throughout his career. He's been a very durable guy. So I am a little bit worried about guys getting overplayed. I don't know that there's much Doc can do about that because he just only has literally 10 players stressed last night. 
Um, but I, I I was happy to see to their addition. If you didn't see it, they signed um, Saban Lee to a two way deal. I did see that they they release Michael will wave Michael Foster Jr., who was probably likely going to wind up back on the blue coats anyway. So not the end of the world if Lee winds up only being here to get them through these next couple weeks and then give the people your Saban Lee take. I don't really, I, I, he's a point guard and they don't, I'm not going to pretend I know his game. So I'm just going to be straight up. So I want to see if you had any insight. No, I mean a little bit like he, he is a, he's a little undersized. He's like six, two ish. He's a driver and a scorer. He can kick a little bit and do some of that stuff. Not a bad point of contact defender or point of, um, point of attack attack defender. Um, you know, can can has pretty good hands. We'll come up with some steals, so he he can help them in that regard. Not I'm all shooter. in. Well, all no, he's not. He can't shoot. Yeah, can't shoot. That's the issue. Um, that's why he's not on an NBA roster is that he can't shoot because he can do a lot of things that are like he's got a lot of NBA skills. If he could ever just be a league average NBA shooter, he's probably um a pretty good backup. You know what? I'll give you the guy. Same thing like, is, get, he's he's six two Ben Simmons. No, well, the guy I was going to say is maybe like a little Ish Smith-esque. I was going to say Tony Roden is what I was there thinking you when you were going no, on no, that. More, more like Ish in that he's just like can run an offense. Okay. Going to play hard. Going to give you, you know, going to give you a lot of energy like on defense. Like you know, decent passer. Can get to the basket. Can finish at the basket. Some good touch around the rim. Um, but yeah, he just can't shoot. That's the only thing. I, I don't know if he's going to actually get to play because Shake Milton and D'Anthony Milton have been doing a hell of a job, right? I mean, the only way I could see Saban Lee playing is if Melton has to rest, which they do have a back-to-back tonight. So maybe Doc, you know, he's nursing that hip issue or back issue. I get I'm getting the injuries all mixed up because there's so friggin' many of them. Um, but he's got a small back issue, D'Anthony Melton. So maybe you give him the night off tonight and you throw you do the Brett Brown of, hey, nice to meet you. You're starting a point guard. Um, you know, crazier things have happened here. But yeah, I, I think and it's a smart move from this perspective uh, by Maury and the Sixers. And by the way, I should have known that something was up because Daryl Maury was hanging around downstairs like last night, which is not a normal Daryl Maury thing to do. Um, do you so have a relationship with Daryl Maury? Um, I know Daryl Maury. I mean, you know, if, if I'll say hi to him. We're like, it wasn't a leading question. It was just no. a leading question. Yeah, no, I, I'll say hi to him if we if we pass by each other. That's about it. Nothing more than that. Um, but yeah, I should have my. Spidey senses should have tingled when I saw him in an area that he's not normally in and looking pretty like focused on things and having both of his phones out. Uh, I probably should have been should have been on my radar. But at the Nets press conference last night, there was, uh, I guess, a media member. I don't know who they are, so not uh, hitting on their work ethic or what they do, but they were recording with Ben Simmons or Kyrie or Katie, whoever it was, with two phones. It was it was interesting, to say the least. Hmm. I thought of Joe Dumars, obviously, when I see two phones in <laughs> yes. in, in a basketball setting. Um, yeah, I don't know what's. I'm trying to figure out what the strategy would be of two phones. What's the purpose of that? Uh, just thought of a take, possibly backup. No, he is maybe streaming on his personal account, and then maybe the the outlet mm. he works for is doing some video for that as well. Perhaps just a thought. That's not a good way, thought. Not out, not the way I would do it, but you never know. Maybe if you're a freelancer and grinder, they're asking you to do that. Yeah. Job, but you also want to build your personal brand. Well, there's also, I mean, there's, I mean, other like it could just be a bat. Like they really need the video, so they're backing it up just to really make sure they got it. That's people do stuff like that. I know there's, I, I don't do this because I think this is like too much. But I know some people will record. They'll have a recorder that they put down on the thing on the on the you know, on the table or whatever. And then they also record on their phone just to be safe. I think that I've always found that to be a little overkill, but Hey, um, it's more of an old school it. thing. I think compared yes, I to us, we're probably, you would consider us definitely more new school journalists, reporters, media members, and, whatever you want to say. And not only that, like if, when you're, when you're, when you're, when you cover a team all the time, you just ask like, Hey, can I get that? My recorder died. Like, you know yes. what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, it's just not that big of a deal. Um, yeah. in this day and age of 2022. And actually, it's funny too because actually, if you go on the Sixers YouTube channel, you can get all of the home press conference stuff. So yeah, I figured that. Worst too. case, you could always just do that too. So, um, but there is something to be in there, and of course, being there is part of what you know the original reporting and what makes stuff better sometimes. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see if Saban Lee gets uh, gets in on any action tonight uh, or uh, down the road. I mean, I guess they're going to they're gonna play him a little bit. But I, I wanted to give Maury credit for this. They had that open roster spot. I know people were kind of 
clamoring for them to use that in some way or do something or, you know, complaining about Isaiah Joe and Charles Bassey not being here and having that spot. And to which I, I get to a degree, but I will say this was the way to do it because the whole thing with the tax apron, which is the NBA CBA is so weird, but the whole tax apron thing, if you were to sign a guy to that last roster spot, that counts against your tax apron, which could give you a slightly less flexibility in a trade down the road, et cetera, whatever. Um, with the two-way guy, that that's all out the window. You're signing Saban Lee, and it's almost like a glorified 10-day contract in a way, although it's going to be more than 10 days, you would think, because Harden won't be back. Well, he might be back in 10 days, close to it. Um, but Maxi certainly won't be back in 10 days. So they're going to need some extra ball handling, so it doesn't hurt to have a guy like that. He's still pretty sure. young, too, uh, Lee. I think he's only like 23 or 24. Yeah, he came still out a young of fella. Came out of Vanderbilt in 2020, I want to say. Yeah, young guy. Um, and listen, he was with the Raptors G League team. If the Raptors think he's good, there's probably something there, right? Because the Raptors just seem to always find those guys and dust them off and make them great players. Must be nice to have an organization like that. I don't know what you mean. Um, hey, listen, Paul Reed is a homegrown talent. And here he is, and he's playing some good basketball. So we got that. Um, but yeah, uh, any final thoughts on Ben Simmons uh, on the Sixers uh, before we maybe take a break here and then move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. I hope he can continue providing me content to write about. <laughs> I enjoy that. I'll say, I, I want to say this too. I don't get me wrong. I mean, I haven't really actually closely looked at our numbers. I'm sure they are just doing wonderfully. And yeah, I mean, pretty good. Yeah. We're having a good day, but I do think there is, this much, and those people can't see me at home, but just this, this is a smidge of fatigue. A little I would bit. agree. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And like you, you, you made a good point earlier of of just time when it lay, you know, in March that wound was so fresh, right? It yeah. was so fresh, it was wide open. Um, it's just not the case anymore. It's not, and I, I think most people are more worried about okay, like when is James Harden going to be back? When is Tyrese Max is going to be back. When are we going to, you know what I mean? Like, I think people are more focused on. You got to focus hey, on your Sixers. own guys at a certain point. Right. right. And I think that's kind of where they are. Ben Simmons is going to get booed for the rest of his career. That's the deal. It's going to happen. And it is what it is. But I, I think from the, the true, true venom was, was, was doled out in March. And I think it's just going to be less and less over the years, but we're going to take a quick break here on the thirsty dogs, strength faster podcast. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles on the other side and a little bit of Phillies and flyers. We're going to be right back right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we are back. And we need to talk about the Eagles. You're nine and one Philadelphia Eagles. It wasn't the prettiest game that I've watched um, as a fan. Pretty frustrating to watch for a, a large bulk of it. Killed themselves early with penalties, stalled a bunch of drives. The first drive, obviously, defensively was not encouraging, but then the defense, I thought, was outstanding. Uh, the rest of the game, the two new guys, Linval Joseph. Big, big goon, Linval Joseph. Yeah. Defensive uh, ball, game ball of the day on for the defensive what? side. Jalen Hurts offensively, obviously, but Linval yeah. Joseph off the street. And Dominic they were both good. They were their two best defensive linemen. That says, that's well, that might not you gotta be. You got to give uh, well, Javon Hargrave is. No, not like overall, but I mean, just specifically on Sunday. Uh, sure. I was saying like that. Yeah, not. They're still. The Hargrave's you know. pretty, yeah. 
I yeah. saw a good stat actually. Just this is like not not off topic, but just like uh, uh, we can jump into other things. But Reddick and Hargrave both have over seven sacks, and they're the first ones to have that in the Eagle for the Eagles since like 1990 when it was Reggie White and Clyde Simmons. That's wild. Like that's how much through, better through ten games or whatever. Through ten games. Yeah, okay. Through ten games. That's but that's wild to me. Like that's how much better their pass rush has been this year than it has been over the last thirty years. Um. So that's pretty wild to me. Um. And it just shows the impact of you know Hargrave was a guy who they did give him a pretty good amount of money, but that wasn't like a really big ballyhooed signing. Like it was a good signing. It, it was like no one... twenty six million guaranteed. That wasn't nothing crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm like, like I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, right, right. I almost look at it as like when they signed Brandon Brooks. Like, yeah, that, that's a really player. good comp. That's a really good comp. Yeah, and really then he becomes comp. an All Pro, and I think Javon Hargrave looks like he could potentially be an All Pro type player. He's been that good um, this year. And then Reddick, you know, Reddick is a guy with an obvious track record, and he's just keeping it going. He's just a guy who gets it to the quarterback and makes things happen. And he's done exactly that. He's done exactly what you wanted him to do. And yeah, Hertz was just so good down the stretch. Oh, um, that that last drive, like that was the whole. I mean, the real the whole fourth quarter. It was that was MVP stuff. Like that's what an MVP type of player does. He lifted. It was a sluggish day offensively. They kept getting in their own way. They kept shooting themselves in the foot. He strapped them on his on his back and, and got the job done. I appreciate that Jeff Saturday basically ran a four minute offense, basically starting in the second half, and that I think helped the Eagles a great deal. But and their defense, and but not to take anything away from the Eagles' defense, which I thought was great. But Hurst, man, like I, I again, I MVP. That was an MVP type performance. It was the modern equivalent. It's weird to say modern because it's a dozen years old. To Vic's performance in the Miracle at New Meadowlands game, uncoincidentally, it was the largest fourth quarter comeback, the first double digit fourth quarter comeback for the team since that game, legendary game in Eagles lore. And even that touchdown run was on a QB draw, same side going into the end zone. It really reminded me of that apex Vic performance. And he's not necessarily, I wrote about this week on Philly Voice. He isn't uh, this quite a special runner. The way I, like I wrote, there were three special runners in NFL history, Cunningham, because he kind of started it, Vic, and then Lamar Jackson, who runs his way to an MVP award. But Hertz is pretty damn close. And what's different is, differentiates him a little bit is his pure strength and i think he has a higher football iq than all of those guys which isn't a detriment to those guys they're all hall of fame uh talent level players but so smart so strong and saw people complaining that they you know they were running a lot in the last drive and why weren't they letting him throw it because it was working because mm-hmm. because maybe they were missing dallas Gardner. i wrote today on Philly, not to just keep plugging all my shit but uh Absence of Dallas Goddard is huge right there. He's third and he's still third in the league in first downs from tight ends behind Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. He was probably going to make the second team all pro this year behind Kelsey. Uh, you know, that element out of your is out of your offense and you're playing Jack Stall 81% of the snaps. You're not going to be able to throw exactly the same way you had in the past. And I think Hertz had a pretty damn good day throwing the ball in the first half, but they were just getting shot in the foot with fumbles and uh penalties and things like that like a, you know had a couple drives stall out completely with penalties uh he didn't play his prettiest game but he unequivocally won them the game and as you alluded to that's what an mvp is about i think at this stage mahomes has probably passed him in the mvp uh candidacy in my head as someone who you know would be cool if jalen hurts won mvp the an eagles player hasn't won mvp since norman brockland in 1960 so mm-hmm. you know my parents weren't even alive the last mm-hmm. time the eagles uh, had had an NFL MVP, uh, but credit to the dude. Credit to the dude. Credit for uh, Steichen and Sirianni just letting him cuck like that, and the offensive line for grinding down. I think the offensive line hasn't ha- lived up to their label as the best offensive line in football this year. I think they've struggled a little bit. I've been slightly disappointed a little bit when what I've seen from Jordan Mailata and Landon Dickerson, and that's not me saying they're bad. I'm saying I expect both these guys to be. Uh, pro Bowl players, I expect Jordan Mailata to be one of the best left tackles in the NFL this season, and maybe that's my own expectations working against me. I do think those two guys will get there at some point in the next two or three years. But man, Jalen is—he's electric, man. What more could you want for your if you're if you're an Eagles fan? What more could you want from your quarterback? They don't win that game. I, I, this goes back to 
when we were talking early in the season and I was still on the fence about him. And what I noticed early on and certainly what just transpired on Sunday, they're winning games because of Jalen Hurts. Not with not, him, not in spite of him, right. because of him. I would not, I, I, like, I, and I don't think it was as strong as it, they won games in spite of him last year. But I would say, yeah, like there weren't games where I'm like, okay, if, if Jalen Hurts isn't the quarterback, they don't win this game. I think this year you can make an argument on nine of the wins. They yeah. might not win if it's like he, he has been that good um, and clutch just clutch and coming up with big, like in big spots. And that's, I get the Colts are not a very, they're not a great football team. Um, there's a reason the record is what it is. There's a reason why and there's a reason why they fire their coach. Um, there's a reason why they have an ESPN analyst as their coach. Um, but <laughs> At the same time, this is like winning games in the NFL is extremely hard. It doesn't matter who you are, who you're playing. Like, um, we've good bad teams beat good teams all the time in the NFL. It happens every week. So, to be in a situation where you're grinding it out and you're having kind of this ugly game, um, Similar to what you did against Washington, right? Very similar. Not not there, I thought. I think the Washington game, I think we'd agree, was more on the defense. Through three quarters of this game, it was more on the offense. But same in the sense that you clearly weren't, you, you weren't at your best. You weren't playing your best game. You, you were kind of sleepwalking a little bit. The difference being in the Colts game, you found a way to get, you found a way to win it. And, and that kind of thing and on the road, too. You found a way to win it on the road. Indy is not an easy place to play. It's actually a really good fan base that's a really loud building. So, and they're a team that did fire their coach. So they're trying, like, right? Like, I think they are feeling like they won their first game without um, their, Frank Reich. So I think they were feeling a little ju- juiced up, a little rejuvenated. And what do they do well? They run the football well. That's what their, that's what their secret sauce is. They have a good, you know, they have really good, a couple really, you know, all pro level offensive linemen. They have, arguably the most talented tailback in the NFL. And the Eagles didn't let him run the ball. Um, they The first drive was, again, you're like, here we go again. I mean, I think everyone kind of felt that for a minute. Um, and I thought Charles Davis, if, if you didn't see on the broadcast, I thought he like really pointed out like, look, this isn't Lenville. Like Lenville Joseph just got here, but he actually just did his job on that drive. It was yeah. everyone else who didn't do their job. Like he actually came in and did a decent job. He took up two, two blockers and he, and he clogged the hole. Like he did what he's supposed to do. The other guy's got to clean it up and make tackles for the rest of the game. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think Jonathan Taylor averaged like seven yards a carry in that first drive. The rest of the game, he averaged like two and a half. Yeah. So like, yes, it, it's not, you know, you didn't beat the, the Kansas city chiefs or anything, but to go into to Indianapolis coming off a loss, not playing your best game, you could have let it spiral and said and, and got down and, and not and, and not overcome it, but you found a way to win. And I just there is so much value in late November to finding ways to win ugly games. And that's something we hadn't seen, right? Because they were yeah. quite frankly blowing teams out and had these they hadn't trailed in the second half or anything like that. So to me, I more in, like it, it wasn't the prettiest win, but I'm actually more encouraged by this than I have been in some of their previous wins because one, they stopped the run, and those new additions look like they're going to be fits and they're going to help them. And two, Jalen Hurts, with the game on the line in a in a big moment, he found a way to get it done. I think back to one of my favorite NFL quotes from Trent Dilfer. You can't lose games in the NFL and still win. Jalen Hurts won them the game. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So, gotta, I don't know. If, well, no, I, I I want to touch a little bit on because we don't really have much to touch on Phil's wise. So I just want to. Uh, we got Green Bay. Um, it's Sunday cooked. Night Football. How are you feeling about the All Black? By the way, uh, the helmet doesn't look too different than Midnight Green to right. me. But let's see what it looks like on the field. Could it does cool sometimes vibe. look better when you see it on the field in the stadium with the lights, especially Sunday night with the lights on. As a potential, Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. 
I would like to see, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more green in it because I don't think there's any green in it, right? It's just all black and, and the helmet. And yeah. Uh, I don't know for sure. Like, I would like to have seen maybe a little green accent on the wing or. Are we stripes, sure there isn't? Something. I don't yeah. think there is. I think I'm it's not just, doubting you. I'm just curious. I think it's the normal, it's the, it's what the midnight green helmet normally is, just black. So the wing looks the same. It's, it's, it's got like the, the white and black outline and then the gray accents in it. I think. You are correct. Yeah. So I would have liked to see like a a a bit of green in there, just a little like how because I, I love with the black jerseys and the black like the black jerseys the way the green um is around the numbers like I think that looks really sharp. That's a really oh god I hate when I use the well, every time I use the word sharp I feel like I mean I feel like oh. a dad so I guess maybe it fits but um and even the pants they have the, the green accent as well so I would like to see just just a little hint of green in the helmet that's all a little hint but um. Packers coming to town, not a very good football team. They have a quarterback who sometimes is is great. He's not having a great season. What's your biggest concern as you look towards Sunday night? The Eagles run defense against the best one-two punch of running backs in the NFL, mm. especially as Green Bay is shifting more towards a run-heavy offense, which is what you saw them do against Dallas when they won, the, won at home, I believe, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon combined for 203 rushing yards in the ground that on that win two weeks ago. So I'm worried about that. But if we can see the Eagles can replicate the performances that they got from Nadamakong uh, Tsu and Linval Joseph, I don't think they have a lot to worry about. And I think the Eagles' offense, on the other side of things, should be able to run the ball again, whether that's a Hertz love attack, whether that's Miles Sanders getting involved. The Packers are 25th in rushing yards allowed so far this season. They are susceptible to the run for sure. So I do think the Packers will take a little bit of different game plans they've seen for themselves and the Eagles and try to control the clock and run the ball. Uh, Aaron Jones is a top five running back in this league to me. Going to be an entertaining one. Touchdown line feels pretty fair. Yeah. Yeah, at home, I would agree. Um I do. I'm a big Aaron Jones guy. He's a hell of a football player, and I'm a big AJ Dillon guy too. Quite frankly, he's, I like AJ Dillon. He's yeah. a lot of fun, man. I I am a big fan of the. Uh, they, they might just not be able to tackle back. him at a certain point. Yeah, yeah. he's a large gonna, human, man. Yeah, him and Lenvel Joseph meeting up meeting up in the hole would be a lot of fun. That's uh, unstoppable too, force or an immovable object. That's just two two very large men. Uh, that could be a lot of fun. Um, Seeking people that were large, Dave Dombrowski gets an extension. With the Philly, that was a pretty bad transition. Uh, Dave Dombrowski gets an extension with the Phillies. Um, no brainer, right? I mean, guy gets into the World Series. He's cleaned up Matt Clintex's mess pretty damn well, I would say. Um, <laughs> adding pieces here and there, I think he's probably going to take a big swing again this offseason. I'm a little surprised. I mean, I don't don't know executive of the year. I don't even know who won it in Major League Baseball, but I felt like Dombrowski probably should have got some love for that, some, some, some consideration for that, getting Schwarber, getting, I mean, Cassianos didn't quite work out, but getting Schwarber, some of the moves on the margins that worked out pretty damn well, getting Brandon Marsh in the deadline, um, you know, getting Robertson, getting Sosa, Tindergaard, that finding a guy like an Andrew Bellotti, signing Brad hand to a cheap guy. Like I, there's just a lot of little moves yeah. I thought Dombrowski made that. And I think that's where the Phillies have lost a, a lot of times over the years, right? Like they've, They've had the star power, whether it was Bryce Harper or you know, or signing a Zach Wheeler, um, but they they really have not found those guys in the march, especially out of the damn bullpen. Um, so yeah, I mean, to me, no brainer. I haven't really. I mean, I guess it's it's funny with baseball because it felt like there was a lot of buzz about free agency and stuff as soon as the World Series ended, and now it already feels like it's like okay, thanks we'll see in March. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it does almost feel like that, right? And I, I it's the shortstops are clearly where where the the heat is in the market that's whatever and it's certain i know they um thompson and dombrowski addressed the media um not that long ago and it, it dombrowski kind of was sheepish in talking about shortstop position but it certainly feels like to me they're gonna go after one of these guys i i'm i do you have like a my bold prediction is I think it's Bogarts. I think Bogarts is a guy. I think Dombrowski's connection, the Sox connection, yeah. Uh, I, I and he's a good ball player. Like I, I get he's not Trey Turner, and everyone wants Trey Turner. And Trey Turner's he's great, but Bogarts is pretty damn good. And you might be able to sign him for a little less money and maybe allocate those funds elsewhere. 
do you, based on absolutely nothing, because neither of us really covered the team like you know fully. Do you have any any predictions on who you think is the Philly shortstop? Twenty twenty. Does Does Bryce Harper's indication that he wants Trey Turner a greater factor than Cost and Dombrowski's connection with Xander Bogarts to you? Hmm. I you appease your stars, and it seems like they've been doing that since he got well, here. That's I don't the necessarily only see that stopping. That's the only thing I was going to say. Is it's like, well, listen, <laughs> we. We got you, JT Romucho. Like, not only did we trade for him, but then we also gave him a shit ton of money. Granted, he's earned that. He's he's a hell of a catcher and arguably the best catcher in baseball. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I I feel like could I see Bryce Harper lobbying for Trey Turner? Of course. Um, they're they're close, and I could definitely see that. I don't think it would come to a point. Like, I I think if. Dombrowski says, listen, I get you want Trey. Trey wants this much money, though. But we can get Bogarts. He wants this much money. And if we can sign Bogarts to this, then we can get pitcher X and pitcher Y as opposed to just getting Trey Turner. And I think that gives us the best. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think Harper would have enough respect for Dombrowski that I think Dombrowski could come to him and be like, listen, I, you know, I respect your opinion and Trey Turner is great and I I would love him here. But I think this strategy is better for us to get us back to the World Series and to maybe win the whole thing. Yeah. That so that's guy, and I don't know. Um, but don't no, doubt don't, yourself. Yeah, no, but like, I, I, I could Bryce Harper be like a swing vote in that? Like, if it's an on the fence thing where Dave's like, ah, I don't know, should I give him this money? And then Bryce is like, come on, give him the money. <laughs> like, could that be a thing? Like, sure, I could see yeah. that because he's Bryce Harper. And like you said, he's, he's what makes this whole thing go. And if he's not happy, then that is going to probably trickle down. Although I, the other thing is too, you got to trust Dave Dombrowski because he just got you to a freaking world series. So I, I, you know, and he's done such a great job and he's cleaned up again. That's the biggest thing to me. He's just cleaned up the mess. Clint yeah. left this team in shambles. He signed Bryce Harper, which, okay. Did he really sign Bryce Harper? Um, the Zach Wheeler, the, the, owner, the owner signed Bryce. Harper. Exactly. Um, Zach Wheeler was a great signing. They got him for, you know, for a really good value considering what he's brought to this team. He's been a bona fide ace and he's probably making under bona fide ace money. Not probably he is. He's making under bona fide ace money. So yeah. that was a good signing by Mac Lentac. And then after that, I got nothing. So to see Dave Dombrowski in pretty short order turn this team into a team that made the World Series and now that's that's the bar, right? Like it's World Series or bust now at this point. Um it's been pretty cool to see. So I'm glad he got the extension. And, you know, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, the Flyers have lost seven straight games. Everybody's hurt. Everybody. Everybody's hurt. Um, and they just stink. Torts is freaking out in the press. Torts is freaking out, but just like clearly hates everyone. He's getting kicked in the face by horses, apparently, which is just a wild. I don't know if you saw that. That's I did not wild. Oh, he literally got kicked in the face by a horse. That's I thought not that might have been an, uh, Yeah, I don't know if no. that was an analogy. No, no, no euphemism. That was he literally, literally. Where? Got, uh, I, I believe he owns like a ranch or a farm or something. And he rest. I heard he read. I got a lot of I got I got I got a plug now for for some of this stuff now. Uh, he got a horse guy? Him is what's that? You have a horse guy? <laughs> Not a horse guy. A uh, a guy who a guy who knows things about the the inner workings of the Wells Fargo Center. But anyway, apparently, him and uh, Tortorella and his wife rescue horses. So this horse is apparently a little bit unruly, and got a little nuts. And Tortorella got kicked in the face. I mean, legitimately, kind of lucky he didn't die. I mean, Jesus, like getting kicked yeah. in the ho- in the face by a horse. I feel like that's pretty damn dangerous. Um, so, yeah. But anyway. Uh, but that's it. But maybe, you know what? That, that wasn't a euphemism, but maybe there is an analogy there for the Flyers this year and for this team and where they're at. Um, a bunch of jackasses kicking them in the face. Ah. Well, Jack, it's a donkey, but all right, we'll go with it. Um, yeah, close enough. It's a little, little bit of some. Maybe there's a horse's ass thing in there. No, I don't know. Um but yeah, just a bit. It's a bit. It's this is what we were expecting, right? Like, yeah. granted, a lot of injuries and all that. And of course, that's why you lose. But this is this is what we were expecting. We were expecting a bad Flyers team 
we were expecting Tortorella could only do so much and that he was going to get pissed off by the Philly media and mission accomplished there. <laughs> He's going at them pretty good and they've gone at him pretty good. It's good stuff. Um, but yeah, what's your prediction for Eagles? Uh, I did want a, a prediction for a Philly voice. I can't remember what it was. I'm going to say 27-17. I think that's what it was. 27-17. Okay. Really generic prediction, but here we yeah, go. Yeah, I'm going to go 31-20. Oh, let's go. That's wild. I like it. Yeah, it's a lot of points. But I think they I think they do it. I think they score a lot of points. I think they have a little bit of a bounce back week coming back home. Offensive game ball goes to who? Defensive game ball goes to who? Uh... Miles Sanders gets the offensive game ball. I think I'm feeling, I'm feeling a big Miles Sanders week. Uh, again, he's been I mean, he was good in the Washington game. I thought they went to him a little too late into the game. Wasn't really a big part of the game plan in Indy. I, I would like to see him more involved. So I think this could be a, a good Miles Sanders week. Defensive game ball is tricky. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Slay. He's gonna he's gonna get Rodgers at least once. At least. I know Rodgers doesn't throw a lot of picks. I'm always throwing more this year, obviously, but um, he's not a guy. He's, who I think he's thrown more this year than he has either of the last two years. I was looking yeah. at that. So um, I could see him going. I could see Rodgers maybe getting a little bit, a little bit squirrely and when the, with the team down and I could see Slay getting them once or twice, maybe okay. one for a tutty, maybe one. Maybe that's how they get to the 31 is the defensive tutty. Um, are you a side note? Are you worried about special teams? Cause I kind of am. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty. It's pretty not great, right? I think when they get into high leverage situations, whether it's end of the season and especially the playoffs, uh, Devonte Smith needs to be the punt. Yeah, I'm probably with you on that. I mean, honestly, at this point, anybody. What, what, the, what the hell else are you saving him for? Yeah, you know, you worry about injuries. Yeah, at that he's, point, yeah, because wide receiver, wide receiver two. If Goddard's there, he maybe he's pass pass catcher number three. That's the yeah. guy who should be doing punt returns. To uh, yeah, to borrow a phrase from the kids, Covey ain't it. Um. Yeah, just not 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 only is he not impactful, he's just not he's just net negative. Um, and looks just, like he's getting demolished on every return. Yes. Um, and like other than McPherson, I don't even know who you can say like yes, the special teams player has been good. It's been it's been shaky. Their coverage has yeah. in general been shaky. It hasn't been great. Although they have a great kicker, so they have that going for them. Um, Jake Elliott's having I haven't other, used him a lot. No, they haven't. But he's having. But he's hey, when they when they've had to use him, he's made the kicks. So yeah. that's all you can ask for. Um. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. For Seamus Clancy, I'm Paul Hudrick, and we will talk to you, hopefully, uh, recapping another Eagles win.